Hey, faithful listener, welcome to season six of the Bible Explained podcast, the podcast where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and enjoy today's discussion from the book of Ruth. Good morning, faithful listeners. This is Jen with the Bible Explained podcast. Today is the last, well, technically tomorrow is the last day of season six, and then we'll be moving into season seven on Wednesday. But today is the last Old Testament day in season six. So I'm very excited to move into season seven. We're just flying through the Bible, it feels like. So guys, I hope you're ready to discuss Ruth chapter four. Ruth, in my opinion, is the cutest book of the entire Bible. Personally, I think it's a very cute and very romantic book. And I'm pretty sure every woman thinks that. <laughs> and it is a very woman-based story as well. You know, it's it's completely from the perspective of Ruth and Naomi, pretty much, rather than Boaz. So it's just kind of an interesting and unique story that is in scripture. And we left off on a cliffhanger on Friday, last time we talked about this, because Boaz had just gotten proposed to by Ruth. So Ruth went to the threshing floor where Boaz was and proposed to him and asked him to basically become her redeemer, meaning the Leverite law. And we discussed all of that on Friday. And so now we have a cliffhanger because it seems like Boaz really does want to marry Ruth. It seems like he likes her, but we found out that there was another man who was closer to Ruth's family who had the first rights of being able to marry Ruth. And so that's where the cliffhanger was. Was Boaz going to marry Ruth? Or is someone else going to marry Ruth? So let's find out. We'll read Ruth chapter four, the entire chapter, and I'll be reading out of the W.E.B. Now Boaz went up to the gate and sat down there. Behold, the near kinsman of whom Boaz spoke came by. Boaz said to him, come over here, my friend, and sit down. He came over and sat down. Boaz took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit down here, and they sat down. He said to the near kinsman, Naomi, who has come back out of the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land, which was our brother Elimelech's. I thought I should tell you, saying, Buy it before those who sit here and before the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not redeem it, then tell me that I may know. For there is no one to redeem it besides you, and I am after you. He said, I will redeem it. Then Boaz said, on the day that you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you must buy it also from Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to raise up the name of the dead on his inheritance. The near kinsman said, I can't redeem it for myself, lest I endanger my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption for yourself, for I can't redeem it. Now, this was the custom in former time in Israel concerning redeeming and concerning exchanging. To confirm all things, a man took off his sandal and gave it to his neighbor. And this was the way of formalizing transactions in Israel. So the near kinsman said to Boaz, buy it yourself. Then he took off his sandal. Boaz said to the elders and to all the people, you are witnesses today that I have bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Chilean's and Malin's from the hand of Naomi. Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of Malon, I have purchased to be my wife, to raise up the name of the dead on his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of his place. You are witnesses today. 
all the people who were in the gates and the elders said, We are witnesses. May Yahweh make the woman who has come into your house like Rachel and like Leah, which both built the house of Israel and treat you worthily in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. Let your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah of the offspring, which Yahweh will give you by this young woman. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife and he went into her and Yahweh enabled her to conceive and she bore a son. The woman said to Naomi, blessed be Yahweh, who has not left you today without a near kinsman. Let his name be famous in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you, who is better to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Naomi took the child, laid him in her bosom, and became nurse to him. The women, her neighbors, gave him a name, saying, A son is born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now this is the history of the generations of Perez. Perez became the father of Hezron, and Hezron became the father of Ram. Ram became the father of Amminadab, and Amminadab became the father of Nashon. Nashon became the father of Salmon, and Salmon became the father of Boaz, and Boaz became the father of Obed, and Obed became the father of Jesse, and Jesse became the father of David. What a happy ending to this story. You know, it's such a sweet ending. And it's very romantic. You know, it says that Boaz wanted to marry Ruth, or rather he said that he would marry Ruth. But it does seem like Boaz liked Ruth, in my personal opinion. I mean, I mean, it, it really does seem like he liked Ruth's character, at least. He thought she was very moral. He said that she was a worthy woman in the last chapter. So Boaz liked Ruth. And so we find out now what Boaz does because he wanted to marry Ruth, yet there was somebody else that was closer who had the right to marry Ruth before Boaz did. So it says that Boaz went into the city and it says he went up to the gate and sat down and behold, the near kinsman of whom Boaz spoke came by. So I don't know if Boaz like sent a messenger to go get the guy or if Bethlehem was small enough that he knew he would just see the near kinsman? I don't know. But somehow the near kinsman comes by and Boaz gets up and says to him, come over here, my friend, and sit down. And so the kinsman came over and sat down. So Boaz then takes 10 men of the elders of the city and he says, sit down here. And they sat down. Now, these 10 men would be the witnesses for this transaction. And so Boaz says to the near kinsman, he's like, you know, you remember Naomi? Well, she came back from Moab and her husband Elimelech died. And you know that Elimelech is part of our family because don't forget that Boaz and this near kinsman and Elimelech, Naomi's late husband, were all related, right? And so Boaz says to the kinsman, we're all related and Elimelech has some property that needs to be redeemed. It needs to be purchased from Naomi so that Naomi can have a comfortable life in her old age as she is a widow. And notice that Boaz does not mention Ruth at all here. <laughs> it was actually a really smart thing for Boaz to do because he makes the the transaction sound very exciting. Like he gives him the good news first, right? He gives him like the best part first and then throws in at the end that Ruth comes along with the property and that this guy would have to marry Ruth. So here's what it says. 
There is no one to redeem it besides you, and I am after you. And so the man says, I will redeem it, thinking that it's just the property, right? Because any man would likely want to buy a piece of property that was like in the family to make sure that it doesn't go to somebody else, right? And so the man is like, sure, you know, I'll redeem the property so that it doesn't go into whoever else's hands. And so Boaz says, okay, you're going to redeem it. So on the day that the field becomes yours, Ruth is going to be your wife. (laughs) And so the man, the kinsman is like, "Uh, you didn't say anything about Ruth a second ago. And so he's like mulling it over. And he's like, yeah, I'm not going to redeem it because I can't, I can't marry Ruth. He says, I can't redeem it for myself in verse six, lest I endanger my own inheritance. <laughs> so what does this mean? This means that the kinsman either had a wife of his own and knew that his wife would go ballistic if he just came home with another wife, as any normal wife would do, or... He did not like the fact that Ruth was a Moabitess and thought that it was immoral to marry her because she was a Moabitess. That's the two reasons I can think why his his inheritance might be endangered. So either way, he did not want to marry Ruth, either because he had a wife and didn't want to screw that up. And maybe he had sons already that we're going to receive an inheritance from him. And if he had more children with Ruth, that would be a mess. And he didn't want to deal with that. Or maybe he was not married. He was a younger man, potentially. And it just didn't like the idea that Ruth was a Moabitess. And possibly it would have been not good if he married a Moabitess with his family. Because don't forget that the the Israelites were not supposed to marry outside of Israel. Now, granted, Ruth, who was a Moabitess, became an Israelite and was living as an Israelite. But you can imagine there's still a lot of prejudice there. And so possibly this man just didn't want to marry Ruth because she was from Moab. We don't know. Either way, he's like, no way. You know, I was fine when it was just the property. I would have totally redeemed it. But now that I know that Ruth is part of the deal, I'm not going to redeem it. And so Boaz played this very well. He played it well because you can tell Boaz definitely wants to marry Ruth. <laughs> and so it's very shrewd the way Boaz went about this because he he makes it seem like it's this great deal, right? And this man should, this kinsman should totally redeem it. And then he's like, oh yeah, and by the way, you get Ruth. <laughs> you can imagine that uh, this man would definitely have a second thought about that, right? And uh, Boaz was playing this very well. So what ends up happening is in verse seven, it says, now this was the custom in the former time of Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging or to confirm all things, a man would take off his sandal and give it to his neighbor. And this was the way of formalizing a transaction in Israel. So we know from the Leverite law, actually, from Deuteronomy 25, which is what this is referring to, by the way, all of this was the Leverite law. The Leverite law was a law God put in place to protect widows without children. So a widow without a child would be in a very precarious situation, right? Because women weren't as valued as they are nowadays. And so a widow would have had nothing back in these days. So God put a law in place to protect these widows by giving them a husband, right? So so that means that if a woman's husband died and she became a widow, she would marry 
a close relative of the husband's. And then in that way, she would be protected and taken care of. So we know from the Leverite law of Deuteronomy 25 that if a man didn't want to marry the widow, like if the brother didn't want to marry the widow, it actually says that the widow would go up to him, spit in his face and take off the sandal. (laughs) So here's what it says in Deuteronomy 25, 5 through 10. It says, if the man does not wish to take his brother's wife, then his brother's wife shall go up to the gate to the elders and say, my husband's brother refuses to perpetuate his brother's name in Israel. He will not perform the duty of a husband's brother to me. In other words, a lever to me. Then the elders of the city shall call him and speak to him. And if he persists saying, I do not wish to take her, then his brother's wife shall go up to him in the presence of the elders and pull off his sandal off of his foot and spit in his face. I just find that is so entertaining. And she shall answer and say, so shall it be done to the man who does not build up his brother's house. And the name of his house in Israel shall be called the house of him who had his sandal pulled off. (laughs) So basically, if for some reason the man, the brother of the late husband did not want to take his brother's widow in marriage, it actually says that the woman would go to the elders of the city and complain against that brother, take off his sandals and spit in his face. So like publicly shame and humiliate him. And God put that in place, like the public shaming and humiliation so that this didn't happen very often, right? So that the man would take the widow as his wife, right? And, uh, and protect that widow. And so all of this was a precaution against mistreatment of widows of this time period. Now I'm going to link the episode I did for Deuteronomy 25 in the description of this podcast episode and uh, go back and listen to it if you're curious more about the Leverite law because I go a lot more in depth in that episode. But anyway, all of this was done as a precaution for widows. Now, I, I mentioned on the last episode that I don't think that this applied or it wasn't supposed to apply, I don't think, to married men. I think that it was supposed to biblically apply to men that were not married. Men who weren't married would take the widow because God's design from the beginning was always one man and one woman in a marriage relationship, not one man and two women, not one woman and two men. It was always one man and one woman. And and that is clear throughout all of scripture. No matter where you look, that is God's design. So, You can see here in Israel's history, going back to Ruth chapter four, that things have been changed, you know, because Israel was never quite following God's law the way it was supposed to be done. As you can see, Boaz had to go take care of this at the city gate, even though technically it was Ruth that would have to go take care of it, according to Deuteronomy 25. But Ruth wasn't even there. It doesn't seem like the public humiliation didn't happen either. Ruth was the one who's supposed to go to the man and like spit in his face or whatever. If he was like, no, nah, I don't want to marry you. It's very possible Ruth wasn't even here. And uh, not to mention that it was not supposed to be an offer for married men, which is possibly what this man was, this other kinsman other than Boaz. He was possibly married. And so I, I don't believe According to scripture, and I know that I am a broken record by saying this because I've said this like 500 times in the book of Ruth, <laughs> you know, it, it's I don't think 
that the Leverite law applied to married men because that would have been outside of God's design. But anyway, for some reason, this kinsman with Boaz, this kinsman did not want to marry Ruth. And so he hands his sandal over to Boaz, you know, kind of sort of following the Leverite law about taking the sandal off, but it's not done the way it's supposed to be done in Deuteronomy 25. And so he's like, you redeem it. And so Boaz says, all of you here are witnesses that I am going to redeem Elimelech's land and also Ruth the Moabitess. And so everybody praises it. And the one thing I found really interesting is after Ruth and Boaz get married, it actually says in verse 13, Yahweh enabled Ruth to conceive and she bore a son. Isn't that interesting? Yahweh enabled Ruth to conceive. So this means that Yahweh did not enable Ruth to conceive with her previous husband, with Naomi's son. And I, I imagine one of the reasons was because Ruth wouldn't have married Boaz. Because look what happens. You know, Ruth has this son and his name was Obed, who became the father of Jesse, who became the father of David. So David wouldn't have been born if Ruth would have had a child with her previous husband. And so sometimes, you know, when God doesn't give you children, there's a very specific reason as to why that only God knows. And I find that very comforting as somebody who has not been able to have children. There's always a reason as to why God does not give a person children. So God enables Ruth to conceive with Boaz, and she bore a son. And what's interesting here, in verse 14, the women said to Naomi, Blessed be Yahweh, who has not left you today without a near kinsman. Let his name become famous in Israel, which it did. Boaz is pretty famous. He shall be to you a restorer of life and sustain you in your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you is better to you than seven sons and has given birth to the baby. I really love that all of these women of Bethlehem right now are praising Ruth for being a wonderful daughter-in-law. Not just a, you know, she wasn't Naomi's daughter. She was a daughter-in-law and yet she gets this wonderful praise. She's better than seven sons, Ruth is, to Naomi. And so Naomi takes little Obed, the new baby of Ruth and Boaz, and it says that she became a nurse to him. In other words, she became like the nanny to this young baby. And it says that all the women of Israel <laughs> said that a son is born to Naomi. That's amazing. And honestly, like this entire story is actually kind of from Naomi's perspective. If you look at it, it starts with Naomi and it ends with Naomi, all of it. Naomi was truly the one who was blessed here because even though her life kind of started out rough and she and her husband did some things that God didn't want them to do, God redeemed and blessed Naomi in the end by giving Naomi another son. Obed. And then Obed, of course, becomes the grandfather of David, King David, who we're about to get into. 
in the next coming books of the Bible. And so it's, it's truly an amazing story, all of this. It's a story of God's forgiveness, God's grace, and what God can really do for a person who allows God to guide them. You know, once again, Ruth was not blessed with children with her previous husband, even though she was married to him for 10 years, right? She was not blessed with any children. And yet in the end, God totally protected and provided for both Ruth and Naomi by giving Ruth a very kind husband, Boaz, and also giving Ruth in the end, a baby boy. And so you never know how God is going to work in your life. You never know how things are going to go. When you think something is not working out for you right now and you're wondering like, God, why aren't you allowing this thing to work out for me right now? Maybe God has something just so much better planned for you in the future that if he gives you whatever you want right now, it's not going to work for you in the future. So just trust in God. Trust that God knows your future and just trust God to guide you in your life. Well, faithful listeners, I hope you enjoyed the last episode of season six in the Old Testament. I hope to see you guys all on Wednesday as we start out season seven and also tomorrow because we're going to be discussing the portion of scripture we kind of briefly went over on Thursday with Greg Kopel. I'll be talking about that again tomorrow. So I hope to see you all tomorrow on the New Testament side of stuff. But if I don't see you, I hope to see you in season seven of the Bible Explained podcast. And if you would like to support this podcast, please continue to rate and review the podcasts. I love seeing all of your reviews. I can't respond to them, but I do see them and I love them. So thank you guys so, so much. All right, faithful listeners, I'm going to let you all go with a happy listening and God bless. Bless.